and I just went to town on my own piano. Not that sounds sexual. I don't Gosh, want that to sound you sexual. You said a couple innuendo here. I, I'm just sorry. Been... I didn't, didn't want that to sound sexual, but it got sexual. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who never stops, never stopping, my brother, Mike. Can't stop this. Won't stop this. <laughs> yeah, uh, you and uh, Hammer just have, have, have a lot going on. A lot in common, tax problems, a lot of uh, the pants, obviously. Living uh, in our cars at one point. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, rapping with animated animals. That's, that's like a thing you guys have all done. Um, to the Royals, to the faithful Royals Weekly weirdos out there, we do want to apologize for last week's technical difficulties and the lack of an episode as a result of that. We're hoping they don't happen again this week, but who knows? Honestly, we're not uh, tech geniuses or tech billionaires. We can't uh, fix all the tech problems in the world. And oddly, if if the tech uh, tech issues aren't fixed, you'll never actually hear this apology. So uh, this may all be moot. Who knows? Uh, Mike uh, Mike tried to hack into the mainframe, so hopefully this also was sorted as a result of that. The really disappointing thing, we recorded a whole episode, and now no one will ever hear that that genius. No, that's just gone. I feel like it was the best one, too. It, it was it's real tight. Gone into the ether. We gave out secrets of how to be a millionaire, who killed Jimmy Hoffa, all this stuff, and it's gone forever. It is now, it is now gone. Who knows where it is? Floating around. I'm sure Jeff Bezos stole it. I don't know. We'll come up with some <laughs> conspiracy theories for it later. Maybe we'll drop, if we ever find it, we'll drop like a, uh, you know, deep cuts type thing b yeah. or something <laughs> yeah um, yeah but this week we're going to review a week that left me a little bit disappointed i know they it was a winning week for them but they played the royals played a couple of really bad teams this week and i wanted them to come away with a five and two week or even a six and one week and uh just a four and three week for them uh but that's okay uh the royals can't seem to find consistent success against really bad teams uh, but Mike, why do you think that is? Why do you think that they struggle to play teams like Baltimore, who they got a split with, who you'd really hope they'd take three or four from? Because every facet of their team has been inconsistent, whether it's starting pitching inconsistent sometimes, bullpen inconsistent at times, lineup inconsistent at times. There's times when you get three or four hitters that aren't doing anything in that lineup. And so when you do that, it's hard to put sustained success together. And if, if a couple of those things are happening at the same time, you're going to struggle against some bad teams, even if you're better than them. Yeah, that makes per- perfect sense. And we saw a lot of that against Baltimore, things that like uh, somebody's hot for uh, you know a, a few games and then cold for a week and a lot, a lot of things in the lineup that really just need more consistency in them. But we're going to dive more into that here in a second. So let's jump into the baseball stuff. A fairly quiet news roster-wise this week, except for today. Today, something interesting happened roster news-wise. Uh, Michael A. Taylor went on the family medical emergency list. I hear tell he is about to have a baby, or, well, he won't have it. His significant other will have it. But as a result, Kyle Isbell was recalled to the Royals and got a chance to start in center field today. Uh, he'd probably only get three or four games. I don't know how long Michael A. Taylor will be out on this family medical emergency list, but it'll be interesting to see Isbell get another chance against Major League Pitching. He looked very overwhelmed in his first stint earlier in the year, right at the start of the season. It'll be interesting to see if he uh, bounces back or has made some some progress because he's been very hot in AAA lately. Yeah, and I didn't get to see his at-bats today, but he did have a hit, uh, an RBI, and a walk. So he was one for three with a walk and an RBI. Good start for Kyle Isbell. I think a lot of people, what a lot of people are really looking for is how does he handle center, center field? That's kind of the big uh, thing. I think a lot of people are optimistic about his bat. They're just not sure if he's a, a Kaufman Stadium center fielder. 
See, I'm actually the flip side of that. I am more uh, confident in his ability to field than I am in his, that he can hit at the major league level. I think he takes such great routes and gets such good jumps that while he doesn't have the athleticism of Mike Lay Taylor, I think that might be made up somewhat in his ability to sort of get jumps and read balls really, really well. I do still wonder if he's going to be able to hit at the major league level enough to make up for the fact that he's probably not going to be an elite defender in center. He might just be a very good one. Um, and if he, if he, if he's not elite, then he, he's going to need to, uh, he's going to need to hit a little bit in order mm-hmm. to sort of stick in center, but he has been hitting a ton in triple a in August. He hit 323, 381, 500. So that's a 323 batting average, a 381 on base and a 500 slugging, which was good to see some power from him lately. He, he really lost a lot of his power after he hurt his handmate bone, had, hadn't seen a bunch of power out of him. And it looks like maybe it's some of it's coming back. And so that was really good to see. Hope he translates to the majors though. He probably won't get more than three or four games. I would imagine uh, they have an off day tomorrow. And then, you know, a few days after that, I imagine Michael A. Taylor will be back, but we'll see. It'll be nice to see him have some success, even if it's in a small dose. Other than that, this week, it was mostly just relievers moving up and down. Uh, let's see. Holland, Greg Holland came back from the 10 day injured list. Uh, Joel Payampas or Payamps. I am never, I'm never going to pronounce that correctly. Uh, went on the 10 day IL Scott blew it for some reason got recalled, which FYI, that is the worst name in major league history for a pitcher. <laughs> Scott Blewett. I think we probably brought this up before, but I'm going to say it every time. Cause that is really bad. I saw and now he's a reliever. And now he's a reliever, <laughs> which is even worse. He used to be a starter. It was bad, but now he's a reliever. His worse. name got worse. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, I, I saw a tweet from Royals farm report and it was, they made a great point. That was like, why do we keep trying to see what blue it is when it's very clear he is not anything more than a fringe major league or really a four a player at best. He hasn't really even had success in triple a. He's just, he's a career minor league player. When guys like Dylan Coleman are hanging out in triple a and could really, you know, uh, I guess you want to manipulate his service time. I guess you want to ha- keep him down until you actually could use him. But Dylan Coleman has done so much more and Grant Gavin. Yeah. I was, if I'm going to do that, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do it with a guy like Grant Gavin. Grant Gavin is a guy who you may not look at his stuff and go, Oh my gosh, this is, blow you away type stuff. But all he does is get guys out at triple a that's it. He just gets guys out. And so like, that's the kind of guy I'm probably giving an opportunity to not friggin' Scott blew it. You know, who we, we know is not an answer. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And Greg Gavin has done it all season in triple a like yeah. Coleman. He has, he, he started in double a got brought up, but Grant Gavin has had consistent success at triple a this year. And has kind of earned a spot, a chance to get a look at the major league level. I really don't like the call of Scott Blewett. It's it's tiny in in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't make a huge difference or anything like that. But you'd like to see a guy like Grant Gavin, who's had sustained success, work really hard to have it, and has gotten a lot of guys out. You'd like to see him get a chance rather than Scott Blewett, who I guess is was uh, brought up probably because he's already on the forty man and they wouldn't need to sort of maneuver. But Coleman's going to need to be put on the forty man anyway this winter. And so you know why? why uh, so hang on to Scott Blewett, who might get DFA'd. This winter, yeah, you know, like, that was my thing. If that's your choice, DFA Scott Blewett, get him off the I, 40 I man. Think there, I think there's a virtual 100% <laughs> chance he gets DFA this winter because they have so many guys to put on the 40 man this winter. They're going to be looking for room. And when you're looking around your 40 man and Scott Blewett's on it, guess what? It's uh, probably time <laughs> to move on from Scott Blewett. Anyway, we mentioned this week already uh, the Royals played Baltimore and Minnesota. You kind of want them to get maybe five wins out of this week. They did end up going four and three. That brings their overall record to 65 and 78. Mike, what's it going to take for the Royals to find more success against these really bad teams? Because against a team like Baltimore, which was just so bad, you should not split in my mind. If we're asking the question, 
how are the Royals going to be successful in 2022 and 2023? They have to consistently beat bad teams. You can go 500 against the good teams, which they have, but you have to consistently beat bad teams. What's it going to take for them to have more success against the Baltimore's of the world? Um, really it's consistent starting pitching. And I mentioned this, uh, about five episodes ago or so, but consistent starting pitching will be what gives you good runs and what beats bad teams on a consistent basis. Even if your offense is faltering a little bit, consistent um, starting pitching will work because if your lineup isn't hitting, it's not everybody not hitting. You can scratch across three or four runs with, with two, three, four guys hitting in a lineup, as we've seen with Salvador Perez at times, and Nicky Lopez carrying this lineup at times. But if you don't have that, if you don't have consistent starting pitching, you will always be inconsistent. It's just how Major League Baseball works. Yeah, and we can point to a couple starters and say they seem to be showing a little more consistency lately, guys like Carlos Hernandez and Daniel Lynch. And then we can look at a few starters and say, this person's still wildly up and down. Brady Singer, even Mike Miner at times will just look wildly up and down where he's going out and having one of his typical six innings, three earned yeah. run starts where you're like, well, that's pretty good. And then he goes out and gives up six runs in six innings or something. And I don't and think so, Bubich is quite over that yet either. Bubich isn't over that either. Yeah, no. And, yeah. and he's a guy who needs to find that consistency as well. So they have maybe a couple pieces in the rotation that are starting to look a little more consistent, but it's got to get more consistent from singer from Bubich. If Miner's going to stay in the rotation, it's got to get more consistent from him. Keller. He's starting to look like he might be getting a little more consistent, but you want to see this sort of consistency if, if you want to consistently beat bad teams and thus give yourself a good enough record to compete in 2022 or 2023. They did end up going four and three this week, so they had some strong performances, some guys who did pretty well for them. Andrew Benintendi, who's been just really, it's a struggle factory for him up until this week, turned it on this week. He was on fire. He went 14 for 28. He hit 500 for the week with three home runs, only three strikeouts and two walks. It was a couple key RBIs too in moments for them that was really helpful and key to winning some of those games. And so Andrew Benintendi, after everybody was like, well, that trade wasn't really worth it. Well, Benintendi is not going to be anything for us. Well, we should have gotten rid of him at the trade deadline. Comes out and says, tries, I guess, make a pitch that he should be starting on opening day in 2022. Yeah, I still don't think that that's probably the case, but it is a good week for him. Uh, he was, he was, I mean, his OBP was getting down to the like Alcides Escobar levels of bad. Um, so, yeah, it's good to see that he had a good week um, and he did help win some of those games with big uh, RBIs and things. But yeah, if you're asking me, should Andrew Benintendi be the starting left fielder next year? I'm probably still going with no on that. Although, you know they don't like Olivares, but maybe it's Kyle Isbell if they go out and get an actual center fielder, you know, a defensive-minded center fielder. Um, who knows? But, uh, yeah, one week does not a reclamation make, in my opinion. I don't know if Isbell can hit enough to stick in left. That's a that's, that's a another good point. That's, that's yeah. asking a lot, yeah. right? He'll be a great left defensive left fielder, but you still got to hit enough to play left. And But Benintendi honestly hasn't done that either. And so right now they just don't have – and honestly, great option for their corner outfields. And honestly, there were years that Alex Gordon didn't hit enough to play left either. Um, yeah, that's we true. love him. With he plays elite level left field, but there were years you're like, okay, he's he's not doing what a left fielder should do at the plate. Yeah, yeah. Mike, who who's your uh, candidate for strong performance this week? Nicky Lopez. He's been the candidate for many many weeks now. Uh, you and I again. We're wrong on this. <laughs> uh, we eat crow we, every we're going to continue eating crow when we, when we talk about Nicky Lopez because Mark and I didn't think that he was really an everyday kind of guy. 
but it looks like now for sure he was an everyday kind of guy. Uh, and next year he's going to be a big part, I think, of their defensive infield. And then it looks like going to be a big part of their lineup. Um, hard to tell if they're going to want to bat him first or ninth or second next year. You never know. But he seems to be, and I legit mean this in the way of an old school baseball player, handling the bat the way that he should, which is slap hitting. The guy is a slap hitter and he needs to be a damn good one. Um, he's a and slasher. He's, he's a slasher. That's a good, maybe that's a better way of putting it. He's a slasher. Um, and he did it very well this week. 13 for 32. He had his second home run of the year, jumped on Yay. one, barely got it over the wall, uh, a double or sorry, two doubles, uh, and continues to kind of be the spark plug. A lot of times when the Royals are scoring runs. So, um, yeah, keep it up, Nicky Lopez and still it's playing a, great defense. So it's interesting because as his confidence grows, it seems like he is taking mightier cuts at some balls. He's being a little more aggressive with swinging at pitches that he wants to hit really, really hard, even trying to yank a few and pull them out of the ballpark or off the wall or something like that. Early in the year, it was looked like he was sacrificing power to try and control his bat, get the bat on the ball, not strike out so much, not swing and miss so much. But now it looks like as his confidence is growing, he really wants to put a charge into some balls in counts that are advantageous to do so. And so that's an interesting maneuver from him. Obviously, it'll never be his game to hit, hit a lot of fly balls, to hit a lot of balls uh, outside the launch angle of line drives or even ground balls. But if you can put one out every now and again, if you can get to five home runs in a season, Nicky Lopez, that's something. If you can hit some more doubles and triples, that's something. Uh, yeah. It'll really help his overall offensive profile if he's not, a complete dud in the power department. Yeah, his batting average is almost up to 300 again. And with a guy who is pretty selective at the plate or can be when he's doing it the, the way he should be doing it, um, that's that's going to be valuable no matter what. Yeah. Wasn't all sunshine and, and rainbows, as always. Uh, we had some weak performances this week, too. A guy who started out gangbusters after he came off the IL struggled this week. Alberto Mondesi went one for 19 with his one hit was a home run and very nice looking or a majestic home run kind of uh, really crushed it, but he did have eight strikeouts and only one walk. This is going to be the case. I, I, I don't think that Mondesi it, it, Mondesi is going to be a streaky hitter all the time anyway, because of how aggressive he is because he doesn't have a great ap- approach at the plate. But we're, we're going to see a few of these. That's, that's not a big deal to me. Uh, it'll be interesting to me. I, he can't stay healthy for a long stretch, but it would be interesting to see him stay healthy for a long stretch so we could see if this sort of progression that he's made offensively is a consistent thing. If it can happen over the course of two, three months instead of just a couple weeks at a time. You know, uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see that if he can find a good stretch of health next year. Is this offensive progression here to stay or is it just something like that we've been riding a roller coaster and we've been at a peak for the for a while and we're about to plummet again yeah that's exactly what i've been thinking and that's exactly what i was thinking at the end of last year when he had such a hot september i was going hey wait if he stays healthy for the beginning of next year is this what we're going to get out of him and of course he never did so you know he started the year on the il so um we, we never really know i guess uh, but that'll be the kind of mystery again for Adalberto Modesty. And maybe we'll never know the answer. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to talk about Jackson Kowar. He had a little bit of a rough week. He's He's been hit or miss, and this is part of that inconsistent starting pitching since he came back up. Um, he had some good ones, and this was not a good one this week. Six innings pitch, six earned runs, gave up two home runs, did strike out seven guys, which he will do, I think, pretty consistently because of the stuff that he has, but he did have three walks and that was the big deal. His command was not great. And generally speaking, when he is off, 
he it's because his command isn't great. Carlos Hernandez is kind of the exception to that rule. Sometimes his command can be pretty bad and he can still get guys out sometimes because his stuff is so good. Um, but other guys and even Kowar, whose stuff is really good, um, is going to have to be able to command a fastball. And I think, I think he's got to be able to throw that plus change up for strikes sometimes just like straight up. Hey, strike one change up. Um, but I don't, when I think when he's not going well, he can't do that. Yeah. That's tough for him actually. And that's when he was in the minors, his curveball served the function of a breaking pitch, uh, an off-speed pitch that could be thrown for strikes. They, they've gotten him away from the curveball. Why having him throw some sort of slider? I don't know. I like the curveball. I, I like the curveball. I thought it could be major league average and I thought he could consistently throw up for strikes, but they want him to get away from him. They want him to, to throw a slider instead. That's fine if he can throw that for strikes too. I, I don't really care if it's a 50 grade changeup or if it's a 50 grade curveball or 50 grade slider. To me, it doesn't really matter, but it doesn't look like he's doing that right now. And it doesn't look like, and he is going to consistently struggle to throw that changeup for strikes because it moves so much. It has so much tumble and fade. It's got to be tough to get into the strike zone. And so on days when he can't do it, on days when he can't get it or a slider or a breaking ball of some sort into the strike zone, he's always going to struggle. Um, and so, yeah, th- that's what we see a little bit there. He's got, because his fastball isn't elite, it, he throws it pretty hard, but it's not elite because it's not like Hernandez who throws a hundred and maybe his isn't elite either, but it's a tick better than, than in Coars. He's got to have a secondary pitch. He can throw for strikes. He's got to be able to be the changeup or a curveball or a slider that he can get in the strike zone. And they don't just sit fastball in the strike zone, because if you can just sit fastball in the strike zone, you're going to tee on tee off on fastballs, whether they're down the middle or even a little bit outside. Cause you know what, what you're looking for because the Royals sort of had some hit and miss moments this week. So I'm going to talk a little bit about missed opportunities. That's my theme for the week. I feel like the Baltimore series was a real missed opportunity. There were a couple of games in there. They should, they should, in my mind, you should definitely take three or four from Baltimore. They're a team that's not even trying to win. They're a team that is actively trying to lose. And so the fact that the Royals couldn't take three or four for them is a little disappointing to me as we sort of hoped that they were turning a corner as their starting pitching was getting a little more consistent. And so that's like a missed opportunity for me. And looking forward, I think about like, okay, if you want to compete in 2022, if you want to compete in 2023, you cannot miss those opportunities. You have to stomp on the bad teams. You have to take three of four or all four from Baltimore. You have to take three of four from Minnesota, or in some way you have to get five wins out of a week like this to to compete in 2022 and 2023, because beat the bad teams as, as much as you possibly can and split against the really good teams. You know, you should get a split for against a team like the white Sox. You should get a split against a team like the devil rays or the rays. Sorry. They're not the devil rays anymore. They're the angel rays. 2000. Um, 2000? Yeah, sorry. I forgot. Uh, I I'm an old soul. And so I just, I still think of them as the devil rays, um, but it's okay to split with those teams, but you have to stomp on the Baltimore's of the world on the, you know, Detroit's of the world, although they're getting better uh, on the Texas Rangers of the world. You have to stomp on those teams. If you're, if you're really going to try and uh, win enough games to be in a wild card race, to be in a division race, you have to really beat the bad teams. I just think we need to start saying Baltimore, like they do on the wire. Baltimore? It's like Baltimore. You know, God, why don't we all talk like that? Um, I knew somebody from Baltimore and she spoke exactly like that. It was, oh, that's great. She, she at least said Baltimore exactly like that. Baltimore. What was the guy's last name? Uh, McNulty. McNulty. (laughs) Um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, so my theme for the week is show your stuff, man. 
Kyle Isbell, you're going to get five, four, five days here where you get a chance. Show your stuff. Jackson Kowar, you have a handful of starts, not even a handful probably, uh, left in this season. Show your stuff. Show what you can do, guys. Carlos Hernandez is trying to do it. Daniel Lynch is trying to do it. Brady Singer, you got three starts left. Let's see the change up. Okay? Now is the time. I don't understand why like we're fighting game for game here. When they don't matter, I want to see tools. I want to see pitches. I want to see that sort of stuff. Um, I don't care if they win the rest of their games. I want to see something special from those young players. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout-out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. Mike, we got to talk about Brady Singer. We got to. He's having what can only be described as a sophomore slump, and it was a fairly predictable one. Last season, he found a little success here and there, but it was plain to see that when the league started to adjust to him, he might have trouble. Why? Because he only throws two pitches, and only throwing two pitches doesn't give opposing hitters a lot to think about. Sure enough, Singer has struggled this year when the movement or command of his sinker and slider aren't perfect. And that's a conundrum for for Singer. I feel like some people see his great starts, like the one he had recently against the White Sox, where he went out and dominated with two pitches, and they think, see, he can do it. He can make it with just two pitches. Then he goes out and drops a pile on the field against the Twins, and it's crickets from that crowd. Uh, what What are we to make of Singer at this point? What are we supposed to be thinking about him as a pitcher? Well, you're going to, you're going to talk more about the third pitch thing, but I want to talk about the consistent command thing Um, for him. And that's when you see those two pitches really shining when he gets his, his really, really good starts. And even his solid starts, it's when he has good command with those two pitches, the sinker and the slider. The problem is those are not frequent enough. And I don't know if anybody, well, there are pitchers that, that do, but there's not a lot of pitchers that have good enough command that they're ever going to live on two pitches. It, they just, it's hard to have that good of command. And so my thing is this, if he's going to do the third pitch, he needs to do the third pitch. Yes, for sure. That's a, I think that's a given at this point. I think the Royals know that. I think Brady Singer probably knows that. I just don't think they're going about the right way of getting him to that point. But I think the command also has to get better. If he's ever going to reach his actual potential or ceiling, um, if you can do that, you can get it to where, okay, he's got a little bit of command. And when I say command, I really only mean that with the two-seamer, the, the sinker. I don't I, – I think he wants to use the slider as an out pitch anyway, and he wants to throw the two-seamer. It's got enough movement that if you can keep it in the strike zone, whether it's start it in off the plate and bring it into the inside part of the plate or start it in the middle and run it to the outside the zone, whatever it is, if he can do that, just improve that command with the two-seamer – and add a little bit of a changeup, I think he's going to be great. Yeah, I, I, for me, I, I do talk a lot about the third pitch of the changeup because I think so much hinges on it. I think there's a reason you don't see successful starting pitchers with just two pitches because as a hitter, you have to have... We uh, Just thinking in terms of like game theory, right? Like you go to the plate as a hitter, you you focusing on two pitches, 
Somebody adds a third one. Now you have three things you have to think about. You have three directions your eyes have to look because one breaks in, one breaks out, one breaks up, or one sort of looks like it's moving up. You know, whatever combination you have, that third pitch is a third thing for a hitter to think about. Anytime a hitter can sort of get down to just one pitch to focus on, you're dead as a pitcher. And when Brady Singer doesn't have command or the movement on one of his pitches, he's dead because he's only got one left and they're going to be just keying on it the whole time. And so he comes into a game and his slider's not moving that much, or he can't put it right where he wants to. Guess what? They're going to focus on your two-seamer, on your sinker, as you call it, um, and and they're going to crush it. It doesn't matter if you're locating it well or not, really, because any any hitter who can who knows what what's coming can hit a pitch at anywhere in the strike zone, right? If I know a fastball is coming, I can hit a fastball in the outside corner. It doesn't matter. I, I'm a professional hitter. I can do that. And so... It's not, it's, it's, it's the fact that so much hinges on that third pitch on the ability to have hitters think about multiple things. And this, this is the command too. Like your command doesn't have to be elite. If you have another pitch, Brady singer, if you have another pitch that you can consistently throw your command doesn't have to be elite. It doesn't have to be great all the time. And so that's why I like, I think it's pretty hard to get him to a level of command where he wouldn't need a third pitch, but I, I, you're right. I do want him to have better command, but to me, it's, Third pitch first, then we can work on that command. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into our next thing. Like, if you're Cal Eldred, what are you telling him to focus on? It's probably a third pitch. You're probably right there. But when Brady Singer's command gets out of whack, his his mechanics are extremely simple. And so the the kind of theory among the old-timey theory in, in Major League Baseball is if a guy's got simple mechanics, he can repeat them. If he can repeat them, his mechanics or his command should be good. I don't know that that necessarily is the case, but the issue that I usually see when his command gets bad is his arm slot drops slightly and his ball is still moving laterally. His two seam fastball is still moving laterally, but it's up in the zone. And so even if a guy, even if it doesn't, guy doesn't square it up on the barrel, he's going to hit a ball that's up in the air and it's going to drop somewhere. And so when he's really on, he stays on top of that ball and it's in the bottom third. So what I would work on if I'm Cal Eldred, bottom third with that two seamer and then occasionally because he throws a four seamer from time to time you come up with the four seamer inside usually is where i like it inside to righties uh, maybe away to lefties but yeah if you can do that keep that two seamer in the bottom third you're good that's what i would be working on with him this off season yeah i think you're right on that on, on his mechanics there he does sometimes get he has such that such a low arm slot he just keep a release and release point as a result he he does this short arm thing. You can see it. it. The ball essentially comes from his ear. And so like, because of that, he has a tendency to, to get under pitches, including his fastball, which is pretty rare for, for a pitcher. Um, but he, and when, he'll get oh, under his fastball. Yeah. And when yeah, he gets it, under his slider, it gets crushed. Yeah. Super hittable <laughs> when, he, when he's under his slider, just, it's just a cement mixer when he, yeah. when he's, when he's under his slider, not moving really at all. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that's tough for him. And that's something he has to sort of consistently be aware of or consistently try and work to, to keep from happening. But I think if you're Cal Eldred, yes, work on that. And, but I think they're waiting for this. I think they're waiting for the off season to really harp on his changeup and to find an answer with it. People say like, Oh, well maybe the third pitch is some other pitch. I don't think it is. Honestly, I think it is a changeup. And I think what he needs is time to work on it. He should be doing that right now. Like throw it in games, work on it in games. These games don't matter. So just go ahead and throw it now, work on it now and, and 
let the chips fall where they may. And then in the off season, spend even more time making sure that change up is exactly what you want to throw the exact grip you want to have, like work, work, work. It's a feel pitch. So work, work, work until you have a really good feel for it. And then come next season, be ready to start throwing it 15% of the time. And hitters won't even know what's going on. They will be completely lost at the fact that you can now throw a major league average changeup uh, pretty consistently. Yeah. And you know, give, give old James Shields a, a call or a Danny Duffy a call and say, Hey, what do you do? What did you do to pick up the feel for this pitch? Cause Danny Duffy didn't throw a changeup at all when he got in the league, nothing yeah. wasn't one of his pitches. James Shields taught it to him. Do something yeah. like that. Go find somebody who can help this guy. If it's not Cal Eldred, go find somebody who can help this guy find the feel for a changeup. Yeah. That's going to be huge for the Royals. I think. Because think about that investment. If you get him to that point, it's you just created a five, took a five starter and made him a two or a three. You know? Well, and that's the thing you have to consider. What if he does? If he's not, if he's not able to develop a third pitch, if he's not able to develop that changeup, what is he like? What's his ceiling then? Like the 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 downside of this of this proposition is even is even more daunting than the potential upside, right? Like, and so like we have to think. It's not just that. Oh, you could get a three starter out of this. It's if this doesn't happen. Is Singer a major leaguer? Not with the numbers he's put up this year. Like, is what is he? Is he a five starter moving up and down to AAA all the time? Is he a is he a you know fourth, fifth, sixth guy out of your bullpen? Yeah, uh, that's what know. I was going to say. Worse, is he yet another first rounder that you had to move into the bullpen, a la Kyle Zimmer, Luke Hochaver? Well, there were uh, Aaron Crow. Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. There were a lot of guys <laughs> who were worried, a lot of analysts who were worried that that was Singer's future because he has this weird arm slot because it's so low they they worried that he won't be able to develop a third pitch and he'll end up in the bullpen that was their worry and right now he's kind of proving them right in some ways and so if he wants to stick in the rotation he needs to find that third pitch and he needs to make it consistent enough that hitters have to worry about it otherwise we might be talking about fringe starter more likely bullpen guy in the future because the royals will have other options in the rotation moving forward just four weeks left of the 2021 MLB season, and the Royals start that stretch with an interesting slate of games this week against two teams scrapping for the final AL wildcard spot in the Oakland A's and the Seattle Mariners. Exact same records, both in the AL West, both trailing the Astros and probably won't catch them. The A's and the Mariners are 77 and 66, and the Royals will play both of them this week to see and have an impact on whether those, those teams end up making the playoffs. Mike, tell us about the Fighting Billy Beans. Well, uh, Moneyball, baby. They are Moneyball, uh, baby. They're going to play their brand of baseball per huge. And a great uh, great matchup to start that series, Jack. It looks like it's going to be Coar versus uh, Frankie Montez, one of their best. 28-year-old right-handed pitcher, 3.57 ERA. Uh, he's a sinker, four-seam split kind of guy, but he throws a very even mix of those pitchers, has a slider too. Uh, and then in the second uh, game, it's a matchup of lefties. Mike Miner versus Sean Manaya, former Royals uh, draft pick Sean Manaya, 29-year-old left-handed pitcher. He's had a good season at 3.79 for an ERA. Sinker, uh, change-up, curveball kind of guy. A lot of sinkers, not an overpowering style of pitcher. Kind of a funky delivery on Sean Manaya as well. Um, and then in the last game, my boy, Carlos Hernandez, gets a, probably the easiest matchup of the series. Paul Blackburn, 27-year-old, soft-tossing righty. 5.24 ERA, really high whip at 157. Uh, he's a sinker, cutter, change, curve guy, but like I said, doesn't throw really hard. 
Uh, so we'll need some of the left-handed bats in that, in that uh, game to turn it on. Yeah, after the A's, after the fighting Billy Beans, who I love, we'll get a chance to take on the Mariners, uh, who are having kind of a dream season. And they're kind of going for it, too, even though it is, it is fighting for a wild card. Um, they're, they're chasing that wild card as the best they can. Now they're a team that had a lot of pieces to move at the trade deadline, good farm system for the Mariners. You look at their numbers and maybe their numbers don't match up to their record. They're sort of, uh, on the right side of the, of the Pythagorean win loss right now. Um, but they are getting some good offensive seasons from Ty France, their first baseman from Mitch Hanniger, their right fielder having good, um, OPS plus seasons of, you know, uh, over 120 for Ty France over one, uh, 15 for Mitch Hanniger. Um, so they're doing, they're doing well offensively for a couple guys and then, uh, getting a couple of good starting pitching performances this season too, from Chris Flaxen and Marco Gonzalez, their bullpen is also doing pretty well for them this season, which is helping them win those close games and, uh, maybe give a wild card push. But I know a lot of people out there who are going to be rooting for the Mariners to make this playoff push to get a spot in the playoffs for a team that hasn't had a ton of, uh, playoff, uh, experience in the, in the last couple of decades. And so uh, it would be wild to see the Mariners make it into the playoffs this year. I hope they make it, um, but I kind of hope the A's make it too. So maybe I hope, maybe what I'm really hoping for is a Houston Astros complete collapse and uh, Oakland makes it and, uh, and the Mariners make it. Oh, I hope uh, Houston gets in and then just gets knocked out in the first, the first time they play. That's my hope. <laughs> uh, we'll see on that one. We'll end this week. Like we end every week with our, just a bit outside segment where we talk about something that is interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, what has been interesting to you this week outside the world of baseball? The uh, Kansas City Chiefs and their the Chiefs. Their phenomenal, beautiful, awesome, lovely, kind, doe-eyed, and just silky smooth quarterback, Patrick Levon Mahomes. I want to touch him. <laughs> um, they uh, We're recording this after the Chiefs game on Sunday, and... Their defense looked like a steaming pile of trash, but the fact that they were able to pull out that win against a very good Cleveland Browns team. This is not your dad's Cleveland Brown team. This is a good Cleveland team. And they came out and got a win when they probably didn't deserve to win that game. And thank you, number seven, the punter for Cleveland, for dropping that football. Yeah. And thank you. I think it was a Kareem Hunt that fumbled, or was it uh, Nick Chubb that fumbled? I think it was Chubb, but I could be wrong. Was it Chubb? Kareem Hunt hardly ever fumbles, so it might have been Chubb. Thank you for that. Go Chiefs. What a win. It was great to see everybody out at Arrowhead, a packed stadium, maybe a super spreader. Don't know, but it was cool to see anyway. Yeah, what a great game that was. And you're right. I was super impressed by Cleveland. Like, Except for those two turnovers, they played a virtually flawless game. And so it was really impressive to watch both of those teams. The Chiefs at times didn't look great, like as good as they can. But they played really well too. Like we saw not just a great game, we saw two really, really good performances well, from the Chiefs and the Browns. Yeah, the Chiefs offense played a really good game. Their defense well, they, was bad. I don't know. Their defense was wasn't great, but they were playing a great offense. Like they were That's playing true. a very and good I, offense. And you and mentioned there this were times earlier. When guys were semi-covered, but maybe we didn't make a play on the ball, yeah. or you know, there were some missed assignments. You definitely saw some of that. You saw a defensive end that who was for some reason, crashing down really hard on one of those touchdown runs. Didn't don't know why. Don't know what he was seeing, but he lost his sort of outside leverage entirely. Um, and so, yeah, there were some things that need to be cleaned up. The Chiefs were playing without a few of their better defenders, but overall, great game and really good performances. Yeah. And you you mentioned this. Cleveland had a phenomenal game plan offensively. Oh, um, wow, excellent! Just 
really well done by their offensive staff. So, but it was great to see again. I mean, loved it. And my mood is so much better now that they won versus how they, <laughs> how I would feel if they had lost. Yeah. Yeah. Can't beat them in September, baby. Can't beat Patrick Mahomes in September. No. Nope. Um, I'm going to talk about the joys of music for a couple of reasons. One, I've been listening to a ton of music lately. And so that's just a lot of fun. And, and for a long time, I wasn't listening to a lot of music in my life because I was listening to podcasts or audiobooks or things like that. I gotten tired of really like listening to music for some reason, like three minutes or three and a half minutes or four minutes and it's over and on to the next. And so I wanted to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. But lately I've been listening to a ton of music. And then the other joy of music that I've been having is last night, Mike and I went to Guitar Center and I purchased a new keyboard, a new digital piano because I play the piano. And last night for like an hour, I just sat here and pounded on my piano uh, because it's been a stressful, I'm working this weekend. And so it's been a stressful weekend and I, I haven't been able to play in three months. And I've just went to town on my own piano. Not that sounds sexual. I don't Gosh, want that to sound you sexual. You said a couple innuendo here. I, that's I'm just sorry. Been... I didn't, didn't want that to sound sexual, but it got sexual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it was me and my piano and we were just having a great time. Uh, and so uh, yeah, I, if you ever get a chance to like learn an instrument, to play an instrument, I want to sort of uh, give uh, an endorsement to the notion that playing an instrument can be fun, not just because making music is fun, but because it's kind of like a a way to make noise and get loud and be you know somewhat aggressive if you want to, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, I sometimes come home and just play piano to make a lot of noise, sing my ass off, and and just have fun. Yeah. And I want to reiterate on that is Mark is not a good piano player. He no, is quite, I'm terrible. quite terrible. I'm uh, bad. You know, I play a little guitar. I'm not very good at that either. And neither one of us can sing for shit either, but we both do it. We both really like to write songs every once in a while and, and play those together. But uh, you know, we're not, we're not making hits here. We're, uh, <laughs> we're just making noise and that's, that's a good way of putting it. Also, if you want to do something like that, you can buy those things for relatively cheap. I, I bought the guitar I have and the only one that I play for 50 bucks, like 15 years ago, uh, because a guy needed to pay a cell phone bill and he needed the 50 <laughs> bucks to pay a cell phone bill. I said, I'll give you 50 bucks if you give me that guitar you got. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all you got to do. It's a great uh, way to relieve stress. A great way to relieve stress. It's great for mental health to sort of be able to sort of hear music coming from something you're doing, even if it's bad, like what I play, uh, or to just, you know, let out some of that stress by making noise, like making noise can be really fun. Even as an adult, making noise can be fun. And so if you get a chance, grab a cheap instrument, start learning to play, start pounding away on a keyboard or start strumming away on a guitar. And it can be a lot of fun. Uh, next week will be a lot of fun when we hopefully come back with more Royals weekly, if our technology cooperates. So as always be good to each other. And Mike, go Royals. <laughs>